The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. Thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're here with us. Um, it's My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for listening with us today, and uh, thank you so much for participating, for liking us on Facebook. We're getting uh, some good likes there on the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook, and I appreciate that. I'm glad that you're involved. Thank you for sending in your emails also and for letting me know what's happening in your recovery journey. Every week, we uh, bring great guests that... Uh, are down to earth that share experience from their own either their own recovery experience and or from working with or writing for or teaching uh, people in recovery. So they've always got lots of great down to earth information. So I know that you're going to enjoy today's program as well. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, the people in your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about us here on the Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting about recovery and spirituality here on Unity Online Radio. I'm glad to know that what we're doing here is making a difference in your life, making a difference in your recovery. If you are a person that's in recovery and increasing your opportunity to be inspired, to get new ideas and to think and to deepen your own spiritual walk. I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, that uh, we know that recovery is a large concept. And so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member of someone that has the disease of addiction, whether or not uh, perhaps you are in your own recovery as a family member or maybe not, or you're just somebody that's curious, interested in the whole issue of recovery and you want to know more about it, you're welcome here. Glad that you're listening and you're welcome to uh, call in with a comment or a question. You're welcome to email us here at the Spirit of Recovery. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery live. Um, you can listen through your computer, you can listen through your smartphone, and you can listen on demand to archives. We've got several years of great archived programs, and you can access those by going to www.unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery. So on demand, you can um, hear any of those archived programs. 
Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And years ago, those relationships got me actually uh, started on a spiritual path, got me interested and involved in a conscious way of developing my own spirituality, and that led me to the Unity Principles as well as practicing the 12-step principles. So that keeps me growing and keeps me going forward in my life. I'm very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity today to share these ideas with you and, uh, again, to hear what's happening for you in your own recovery walk. Today, our topic is you can only keep what you give away. We're going to be talking today about um, uh, a combination of things. One thing, certainly, we're going to be talking about service. We know that that's a big important part of recovery is getting engaged with the world, is um, asking on a daily basis our higher power, how may I be of service? How may I participate in life in a constructive way? And when we do that, certainly what happens for us is that we develop a sense of, of ourselves, we develop an understanding that we do matter in the world and that how we show up and um, how we connect with the world makes a difference. So we develop uh, that when we extend that hand of fellowship. But we also uh, know that that uh, when we're going to be of service, when we're going to get out there and be sharing with people whatever light we have, that it's important to keep our own light shining brightly. It's important to keep deepening our recovery um, and not just to sit on the recovery rock there or the kind of the standstill rock. It's not really the recovery rock. Not just sit down and um, keep doing the same thing over and over that it's an opera. We need to keep growing so that we're sure that what we're giving away is truly that spiritual light. My guest today is Linus Baugh. Linus is a longtime member of the recovering community. He's a unity minister. He's also a recovery counselor, and he's been doing that for a long time. And Linus is the minister of the Unity Center of San Jose, California. So, Linus, uh, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery. Well, thank you, Anna. And uh, it is it is a delight to to be a guest on your show and to carry the message to the best of my ability, and, and how I do that is basically by sharing my experience, strength, and hope, and what this journey and this path has been uh, for me. Um, Great. You know, so you said you, when you talked about today's topic about uh, you, can't keep, you can't keep it unless you give it away, about carrying the message and being of service, and you know, I've I've been an advocate for that my whole recovery life. First, I'll just uh, I guess it would be appropriate for me to share a little bit about um, how I qualify for this. Sure. And um, and in 1981, I had hit a place in my life. Uh, we'd call it in unity, probably a dark night of the soul. And I had um, I had lost everything. And that led me into a place where I started learning how to deal with life instead of run from it through drugs and alcohol. When I went into recovery, I weighed a little over 80 pounds. Uh, The treatment center that I was a part of called me Walking Death. And I was in a place of, uh, I was barely alive. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had a spiritual awakening. I experienced 
something that I had never experienced before, uh, and, and that is, is all of a sudden I had a choice about living or dying or even more than that about if I was going to continue that path or that lifestyle that I was living. And so one thing led to another. I started realizing that um, through the 12-step process that uh, there was a God, and it wasn't a God outside of me. It was a God inside of me. And I found that God through the 12 steps. And that led me to, over a period of years, led me uh, onto a spiritual path that has literally changed my life, transformed my life, um, taken me in every which way it can, but only to bring me into a deeper realization of, of my true nature and our true nature, you know, which is, you know, basically to, like you say, Anna, the light of the world. And what's, what's the best way I can express that? Um, early in recovery, I learned that, that I had a lot of ahas, that the work was profound. It was all in an inside job where I had spent so many years looking for God outside, even in recovery. I spent a lot of years going to a lot of different religious practices and so on, looking for the God that I found through unity, through, um, uh, you know, in an inside job. But I found it, at first I found it in working the 12 steps. And that opened me to the spirit of my being that I later learned to communicate or commune with and be with through meditation and practices that I learned in unity. Um, but, you know, all of that said, there is something that continues to enrich in my life, and that is an ongoing process of recovery. It's like I thought when I had 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, then things, then, then I will have arrived and I will be, you know, in, in this place of just, um, I don't know, amazing. I'm not really sure what the picture was. I just thought it would be totally different and I wouldn't have the challenges that I, that I had in my life up to that point. And what I continue to find is that, you know, they still show up, but they show up a lot differently. And, um, and differently meaning that today I have direction. One of the things that I really appreciate about recovery is that um, throughout my recovery journey, I have learned a great deal about the importance and the power of giving it away, carrying the message to the person who still suffers. Um, I used to do it in a professional way. I was an addictions counselor for over 25 years, and, um, and, and I continue to do it in my ministry. I don't ever see me not working with people that suffer from many forms of addiction. However, I know that if I'm not continuing to do my work, if I don't continue to do what I call the maintenance part of the program, steps, steps 10, 11, and 12, then I take the chance of slipping back into uh, a place that I call insanity. And, and, uh, and what that means basically is, is I start repeating some old behaviors like seeking the God of my being outside of myself and getting Tell us my some validation. more about that, Linus. What does that look like for you, the difference between God within and God outside of yourself? What does that look like? Well, I, okay, I did, a lot of, I did a lot of research. I did a lot of searching once I got into recovery. The searching that I did was I, w- I went to all of these different religious practices and all of these different religions and spiritual groups. And, and looking, for, looking for that, uh, 
that place that I really resonated with and felt like I could really um, be with, or the people, a group of people that I could really be with that believed and practiced the, the, doing the inner work. And, um, and so I, um, so in your questions, um, what is it, because I'm finding myself thinking, okay, wait a minute, I thought I knew what you were asking me, but I'm thinking that I don't. So you're talking about, I mean, I could think of that in a couple different ways, the idea of, of God is within or without. Like one might be that, just as an example, if I'm, a, if I'm looking at thinking that I'm a bad person and, and kind of that uh, some, some people have this Christian theology, not everybody, but some people have the Christian theology that somehow we're separated from God and that right. we have to do some things to get God to show up, kind of. So that's one way. Another way is that I could see that is being like I'm seeking, like I'm not aware of myself um, so that I'm going to do an addiction to kind of try to feel better. And it, when we all know addictions come in multiple forms. Um, right. But so, I don't know. So what, how would you describe, um, you said when you first got into the 12-step program that you were seeking God um, first of all, outside of yourself, or well, yeah, I, because I was. I mean, I I found the God of my being inside through working the twelve steps, and then I wanted to deepen that experience. I wanted to take it to what I call the next level, and it seemed like everywhere I went, which was basically a lot of different religious organizations, um, it, it was not I, it was not a God that I could connect with. It wasn't the God that that I find inside. In other words, I was looking for practices that would take me deeper within and, and couldn't find them no matter where I went. I thought it would be at a certain religion or a certain church group or something like that, and I found myself always walking away with the quandary and the frustration of, no, this, this is not an inside job. They're talking about a God of separation, a God of fear, a God of that's outside of me, and promising me things that I would get if I was to list or, you know, live my life in an accordance to a certain way of thinking or being. I call it dogma. And I would always walk out with that sixth sense of, no, that's not it. Then I came into unity, and I started practicing the principles of unity. And the neat thing about unity for me and for a lot of people in recovery is that the 12 steps and the unity principles go hand in hand, and it's always about going inside. It's always about the journey begins with me, and if I want to continue to going deeper, I have got to, you know, work with others, teach other people how to do it as they show up, show up and are willing. But my, you know, one of the things I saw in my recovery is that I started depending on, I started, I got excited about my recovery and all that, but then I noticed that I started that my self-worth, who I was in my life, how I show up in my life, depended on what other people thought of me. Depended on, as Bill Wilson, the co-founder uh, of, of, you know, the original 12-step group, uh, said he, he had all of this time in recovery, and what he discovered is that he was still looking outside of himself to find his self-worth, to find out who he was. He was still looking to his job, his career, his, his being the co-founder of, of one of the greatest movements of our time. And he said after 20-something years of doing this, no matter what, where he was, he always found 
that after seeking so much approval, validation, and so on, outside of himself from other organizations, institutions, careers, and so on, he would always come up feeling a void, feeling short. And, and I could relate to that. I've had times in my recovery where I have felt really absent. And I had somebody that I worked with at one time, and he says, well, he says, you're, that's because you're not in service enough. You're not carrying the message to the person who still suffers enough. And Hang I on to that there. thought. It's time for our first break. But we'll, okay. uh, my guest is Lennis Baugh, who is a unity minister, a recovering person, and a recovery counselor. And our topic is you can only keep what you give away. And we're talking about how do you make sure what you're giving away is the very best light that you've got. And so we'll be right back. Hang with us. We'll be back in a moment. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. all on the journey together, making sense of this life, finding our spirituality, growing and evolving. As we travel through this world, Unity Magazine is your resource for gaining a deeper understanding of life. Unity Magazine is on the forefront of spiritual discovery, with articles and features from leading authors, teachers, and philosophers. Stimulate your thinking and strengthen your spirituality with Unity Magazine. Sample a free trial issue or subscribe today at unitymagazine.org. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, Call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. 
If you're just joining us, our topic is you can only keep what you give away. And we're talking about the idea of being of service and also being sure that we're continuing uh, in-depth in our own spiritual growth, our own development um, in recovery so that what we are sharing and what we're giving away um, is uh, authentic and is truly helpful to people for ourselves and for others. My guest is Linus Baugh. Linus is a recovery uh, counselor. He's a part of the recovery community, and he is a unity minister. He's the minister of Unity Center of San Jose, California. And if you'd like to know more about him and his center, you can uh, Google them on the web, Unity Center of San Jose, California. Before I get back to my conversation with my guest, I invite you to join me for a moment of quiet, a moment of meditation in our Serenity Minute. I invite you to relax, to take a breath, to exhale fully, to feel that presence and that power that is God, your higher power by whatever name you call that presence, and relax and share with me this constructive idea. I trust the light of my higher power's presence with and within me. I am safe. I am loved. I am whole. I trust the light of my higher power's presence with me and within me. I am safe, I am loved, I am am relaxed for a moment, quiet. I trust that this was an opportunity for you to relax and to open up in a greater way to that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand that presence and that power in your life. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Linus Baugh, and uh, our conversation about you can only keep what you give away, carrying that message and making sure that we've got a message to carry, that message of spirituality, that message of recovery. So, Linus, before the break, you were telling us about a situation you had in your own recovery where I'm thinking that maybe you had kind of uh, hit the wall or something, you weren't feeling so good, and somebody was giving you advice about mm-hmm. that. So tell us, tell us some more about that. Well, there was a gentleman that I started working with, and he was telling me that I needed to be out carrying the message more. I need to be more of service. Yet there was, uh, I was, I was completely depleted. Um, I didn't, I didn't have healthy boundaries, and I didn't have a healthy self-care program. Working in the field of recovery, and um, and so when he told me that, I said, "But I got nothing inside. I got nothing to give." And his idea was that if I would just go out and be of service more, then, uh, then, I, then I would be okay. And so what I didn't realize at the time was that I had focused. 
I had put all of my attention into my career, into my education, into being a homeowner, into all of this outside stuff, and especially the approval, the status, who you thought of me. That became more important than who I was and, who I, and how I felt about myself. And, and that's when I started working uh, a program that is about building a healthier relationship with myself. And, you know, every, every study that I've ever been a part of says the same thing. You can't keep it, and I mean, unless you give it away. But in order to give it away, you've got to be filled up first. And it's got to come from the inside. You know, everything I know teaches that, yet I found myself in a place I'm not practicing, and then I read the story of, of a man in, in, that had 20-something years of sobriety that everybody knows and loves and, and was a key player in getting this whole thing moving, this thing called recovery. And he shared that some of his most uh, darkest times in his recovery was because all of his um, carrying the message and being in the spotlight and all that was his self-worth. And I found the same thing to be true. So it's like, what message am I carrying? And, you know, and I heard this stuff when I first got into recovery. Some people go from step one to step 12. You've got to go through them in order to have a message to carry. And yet um, it, was, it was pretty profound when I had the, the, the wake-up call that said, I have got to start focusing on myself and practicing self-love in a way that I've never done it before. And that was huge. That is huge. That I can imagine that that was like I believe we have lots and lots of spiritual awakenings, probably about a billion every day. But I can imagine that was a biggie. It was a biggie. It, it so was a biggie. I mean, I became a meditator, and 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 you know, and of course, by the time I got to Unity, Unity, they were speaking the language of what I had experienced through the twelve steps, but. You know, if I would have went to Unity before I went to the 12-step program for recovery, before I went to treatment and then started practicing the 12-step program, um, I, don't, I don't think I could have gotten it. I was too in the disease of insanity uh, of my addiction. Uh, but because I treated the addiction first and started that journey and did the inside journey of the 12 steps, when I found unity, it felt, it felt like a glove. And I hear that from a lot of recovering person because we get, or I'll speak for myself, I get it's an inside job, this, this, this connection with God. And, um, and so, but the self-love stuff, the self-talk stuff, um, you know, basically really being able to live and mean what you think of me is none of my business. I could say that before, but it wasn't true. <laughs> I really was into that people pleasing. I call it as, as um, I call it untreated codependency. Mm-hmm. And I found that until I was willing to really start treating this, this uh, what a lot of people call the ism of alcoholism, which is the life stuff, which is, I feel about me and the way I think about me stuff, um, you know, that, that I, I'm, I'm never going to get that sense of I'm okay exactly the way I am. And so it meant self-love. It meant positive self-talk, affirmation, and denying the stuff that was not true, that I was conv- convinced myself that it was, and it was negative. 
Give us some uh, examples of what you uh, maybe did in the early days there when you were starting your self-love and also some examples of what you do now. I don't know. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's changed. But what do you, what do, you do to uh, create that self-love? Well, I, I'm, I'm more honest. I'm more honest with people in spite of how popular my honesty might be. I'm not honest to the point of hurting someone or causing harm to someone, but although sometimes I do have people say, well, that hurt my feelings, and that's never my intent, but I, 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 I have lost myself so much in relationships. I deny what's important to me, and, and so I've done that in several relationships. It's always about what the other person wants, what's going to make her happy, or what's going to make my boss happy. And, and I've done that in, in every area of my life. And now it's like even if you're not going to like my honesty and what I am doing to take care of myself, I have learned that unless I'm true to myself, I'm going to be living a lie and people are going to know it. And, and I find it in my ministry, when I'm not true to myself, when I'm, you know, buying into someone's idea about who they think I'm supposed to be, I usually end up resenting them. I usually end up resenting what I'm doing. Uh, and it just, it just is a downward spiral from there. I learned to be more honest about myself. I learned, I learned too, Anna, to stop the negative self-talk. Stop criticizing myself. Stop going to meetings and calling myself names and saying, well, that's what, that's what drunks do or that's what alcoholics do. That, uh-uh, uh-uh, I don't do that anymore. I don't use that language anymore. And when I do slip and use a piece of language like that, I catch myself and I'm aware of it. And then I make amends to myself. And how I make amends is, is I just simply you know, step into the solution of what would be a better thing to say here. It's like, oh, this is just part of being human. This is part of everyday life. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm a recovering addict alcoholic or not. Uh, so those are some, they may sound simple and, and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, they may sound simple, but it has been, it has been a major ordeal in terms of, uh, really learning how to love and honor myself in the way that my creator loves and honors me. And wow, I had no idea that that was the heart of the work of recovery. Hmm. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? That's a that's an important uh, part of it. You know, I know uh, sometimes in any kind of recovery, it's it's kind of that paradox. It's like on the one hand, we all want to remember where we came from, in a sense, because we, we don't want to go back there. And at the same time, we got to go forward. Do you ever, how do you balance that? Like, okay, remembering where I came from, uh, glad I'm not there. And at the same time, you know, I'm in today. And like you're saying, my job today is to really love myself, not to keep sort of rescuing myself from the jaws of, dis- <laughs> of disaster. Right. Well, you know, I'm still very active in the 12-step movement. Um, I love it. Uh, it. It continues to serve me, and I continue to serve it. But I can tell you this, this that I have practices today. I am a meditator. I do it daily. I play singing crystal bowls, and that brings a lot of peace and joy to me. 
Uh, I do a lot of things to nurture myself, and what I find is that when I reach out to help someone to carry the message of recovery or to carry the message of spirit and love, that um, I don't do it in a way of I'm trying to fix somebody or or imply that I have answers for them that they don't and that kind of thing. It's like I, I know how to wait. Uh, I know how to let people inquire and ask uh, if they want my uh, opinion about something. I don't give advice. And when I'm not taking good care of myself, I'll find myself thinking I have answers for other people. I know what they should do, and I get very judgmental about it. And so my practices help me not to go there. And then it's like in the program, we we have a promise that says we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. Anna, from the practices and working the steps of this program, um, I and, and doing you know all of my spiritual practices, I intuitively know how to what to pay attention to and what not to. And I also intuitively know these days as to when I'm saying or doing something that is is, is harmful to myself or hurtful to myself, and and vice versa. And and it's so sweet. I have I had somebody tell me recently. They said, "Wow." you know what, what I love about you? And I was at a meeting and they said, you know what I love about you? And I said, what's that? And they said, well, you have all of these years in recovery, but you seem so peaceful. You seem so mellow. You're not all angry. And I, and you know, and, and I said, thank you. And you know, that, <laughs> what that means to me is that I am really, you know, it isn't about what happened to me in my first two years. It's like you said, life continues to happen. Am I showing up and talking about that and, and working through the stuff that shows up or am I living in the past of what it was like when I first got into recovery and trying to carry that message? No, it's how am I dealing with life today and what practices do I have that help me deal with whatever shows up that's honored and supported by, by unity and by the 12-step community. They work beautifully together. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love what you said a minute ago about, you know, learning to love yourself the way your higher power loves you. And you talk mm-hmm. about meditation and you've mentioned affirmations and so forth. Would you tell us some more uh, concrete things? You talked about playing the singing bowls. What are some other things you do to to love yourself the way your higher power loves you? How do you do that? Oh, I actually, I, I, I do quite a bit these days. Um, yes, I meditate every day. Uh, there are some days when I when I run behind and I and I miss it and and I can tell, but for the most part I have a very consistent meditation practice, prayer practice. I talk to God off and on all throughout the day, and you know that's what I call higher power sometimes, and other times I call Holy Spirit, Great Spirit, etc. I play my guitar, I sing, um, and I don't do it for other people as much as I do it because it's soul food for me. I started playing singing bowls. Um, uh, well, I started playing bowls several years ago, and I've really gotten into playing the singing crystal bowls uh, in the past few years, and it has been uh, something that really has deepened my my level, my sense of, of serenity and connection and that kind of thing. Um, those are just those are some of the things I do. I do a lot of writing. 
Uh, and there was a time, Anna, when I remember the first time my sponsor said to me, he says, all right, I want you to start writing and put the pen to the paper. You know, we're doing inventory stuff and step four stuff. And, and all that was like pulling teeth. Today, I write almost every day. If I don't write in the morning, I write at night before I go to bed. I just kind of empty stuff out on paper. And uh, so I, there's a lot of different things. I have an exercise program that I do uh, at least five times a week. It's like there's so much that I do. I eat healthier than I've ever eaten uh, in my life today. So those are some of the things that I do personally. Right, and I know you uh, you watch your health habits as well, right? I think you told me yeah. also on another conversation that you stopped smoking. That's been quite a while ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I got clean and sober in 1981, and about the end of, yeah, it was the, the end, coming up, uh, no, it was about a year and a half clean and sober. I went to a speaker meeting, and a guy talked about, his name was Bobby, and he said, you know, I was doing some work for suicide prevention, and he said, I was smoking a cigarette in their facility, and I noticed I was the only one smoking. And when the guy gave me an ashtray, he told me the story about a suicide prevention. They view cigarette smoking to be covert suicide. Every time you light a cigarette, it's a little tiny gun with a little tiny bullet, and it blew me away. And I knew that if I didn't stop, if I didn't surrender that addiction, that I was going to die clean and silver, but I would die of probably cancer and emphysema. And so uh, I surrendered the cigarette addiction, and I have been a non-smoker now for uh, a little over 30 years. Uh, so it's been one thing after another. I've gotten involved in sugar. I was a relationship addict. I was like every three months, I was dating someone else. Um, I, it's just one thing after another until I really, and I, and I work the steps on all this stuff. You know, I do steps 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. And, and, I, and wherever I see a common thread, you know, an area that seems to continue to show up in my writing, then I'll call my sponsor and he and I will agree, okay, let's inventory this one. Let's take this one and see what kind of awareness we can, we can, we can muster up or see what comes up for you as you go through this. So That's it's fantastic. an ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah it is. We'll be right back. It's time for a break, and we'll be right back and follow up on that one. My guest is okay. Linus Baugh, and our topic is you can only keep what you give away. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. 
Join us for a journey into spirit. Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, my guest is Linus Baugh. Linus is a recovery counselor. He's a part of the recovery community, and he is a unity minister. And he's sharing with us about what he learns uh, about you can only keep what you give away and making sure that we've got um, some real authenticity and some light and some self-love to share with others um, as we extend that hand of fellowship. So before the break, Linus, you were telling us about how you do regular inventories, that 10th uh, uh, step, and how you get lots of good support there for following up if you see something that seems to be a recurring theme um, that's bugging you or whatever that you follow up on it. So how do you do that? How do you follow up on those things that show up in your invent- in your continuing inventory, in your 10th step, your daily well, inventory? What- yeah, one of the things I do, Anna, is I, um, um, like I said, I, I write every day. Um, and, and there, I mean, there are days that I don't. Um, it's like meditations. There are some days that I, that I miss, but for the most part, it's consistent practice. And, and I can tell, I mean, when I, when I was 12 years in recovery, I started working with a man who had six months longer than I did. And I said to him, when we started working the steps together, I said, so, you're going to be my sponsor, right? And he says, well, the way I see it, he says, when you get to the place that we're at in our recovery, he says, we're working the steps 10, 11, and 12. He says, you know, he says, when we go one through nine and we start doing the maintenance steps of the program, he says, basically, what, what we're doing is we're letting, uh, we're letting our higher power be our sponsor. And what you and I will do is we will process what our discoveries together and we will support each other in and, and looking for those common threads that we see showing up that need more attention. And I find them in my writings. And so, uh, you know, it's a collaborative thing. It's not, my sponsor never tells me, doesn't tell me anymore, hasn't for years, what to do. You know, it's always, he, he really trusts and knows that, that I have a, a, very, a very solid program, that I am connected to, to Holy Spirit, and and he's just there to support me as I am him about, you know, taking it to whatever level I need to take it to, to either stop a pattern, break a, break a habit, or to look at it to see what the need is that, that, I'm, not, that I'm not getting or, or feeling like I'm getting, that I'm like maybe focused on relationships or my job as my, you know, uh, my savior or whatever the case may be. Um, so the writing is key, um, and so is the prayer and meditation. If I didn't, if I didn't do those three things, uh, I think I would probably be very much in the insanity of the disease without picking up a single chemical. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because they say in the in the big book, and they say that uh, that alcohol is but a symptom. 
Well, every 12-step program I've ever attended, and I've attended quite a few, isn't it interesting to me, I find it very interesting to me is that they all say the same thing. That which brought us through these doors is but a symptom of what's going on. And then I had a mentor one year who I was studying under for several years, and he said, scratch the surface of an addict, and I don't care what the, what the addiction is, but you scratch the surface of an addict and you've got an untreated codependent. And that is the ism of alcoholism. And I thought, wow, that's profound. Mm-hmm. And tell us what you mean by uh, 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 an untreated codependent. People use that word a lot. Tell us what you mean by it. And so well, the first thing I love was, was Terry's definition of what codependency is, and his definition was absence of a relationship with self. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and that one hit me between the eyes. It's like, well, wait a minute. But I do have a relationship with myself. But then when I really explored it, I realized that it wasn't a, a loving a loving nurturing, uh, loving nurturing relationship with myself to where um, I I stopped looking to external sources, people, places, and things for my answers and my validation, and started looking within and honoring that I did have the answers um, for what I was seeking inside. And so, codependency to me is about always seeking in the external that which is going to make me feel whole and complete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that codependency is such a buzzword these days, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, but it's I think it's 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 under and I found it as a professional in this field, and that is is that underneath every addiction, I don't care if it's food addiction, sex addiction, work addiction, whatever the addiction is, there is that sense of esteem issue, uh, self worth issue, um, you know how I feel about myself. That's the heart of it. And am I right. looking to you to make me complete or to make me whole? God, mm-hmm. I've done that. Mm-hmm. That's that paradox, I think, a lot of times is that, you, like you said, that first, first relationship has got to be with ourself. And, and I, I would say, and I think you would agree, I think you would agree with this also, with, with God, whatever we call our higher power. And then from that, we can relate to the world. But when we get it backwards, whew. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I know Bill Wilson, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, who is um, deceased, so we can use his whole name. Yeah. He wrote something interesting about all this years ago. Would you share that with us? Yeah, it's called The Next Frontier. Uh, it's called Emotional Sobriety. It's in a, it's in a series of, of articles in the AA Grapevine. Um, and, um, and, and I love it because he was in, and Bill suffered from deep depression. Um, and he had bouts of depression where he couldn't get out of bed for days. And uh, he wrote this with, uh, he was in his like 25, 27 years sober. And he wrote The Next Frontier, Emotional Sobriety. And he says the very thing. He says, um, he, he said basically that, that he was creating dependency wherever he went, even though he was like this, this, this figure, this key figure in the recovery movement and so on and so forth. He realized that it became his identity, and no matter what, he could never live up to the expectations. Of course, the expectations were his, but um, he says, um, well, he actually says a lot in this article, but it's online, by the way. It's called The Next Frontier, Emotional Sobriety, and it's from uh, January 1958, and... um, 
And then he just talks about how he continued, even in recovery, to create dependencies wherever he went, whether it was with his wife, whether it was with his job, whether it was with the program. He was creating these dependencies, like his worth was dependent on how well he did in the external things of his life. And he says, basically, it just about killed him. And I could so relate to that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and so he talks about it, but not one time does he use the word untreated code or the phrase untreated codependency, but yet, as I read the article, that's all I see. And, and uh, you know, and that has been, that has been transformative for me, is, mm-hmm. is to know that, you know what, and I had a guy tell me one time, and I was in one program, I had just started attending another program, and this guy walked up to me and told me, he says, you know, he says, this is where we learn how to love ourselves so that we can have healthy relationships with other people. And it was another 12-step program. And it basically was treating the codependency. It's like the self-image stuff. Am I enough as I am? Mm -hmm. And it has been rich, and it has been a journey. It has not been an easy walk. What kind of stuff shows up um, for you when you start doing that, when you start loving yourself and nurturing yourself and giving that more constructive self-talk? A lot of times stuff will show up. What it kind does. of things have you noticed? Yeah, sometimes, surface. sometimes the opposite. You mm. know, the you know the the old self talk, or yeah, the old beliefs, the old the old stuff that comes from those unconscious belief systems show up when I start affirming the truth of who I am and that I am a uh, uh, you know a beautiful child of a loving creator, a creative intelligence, and that I am that I am of that and am that and. And it's like, and then I have the little committee that comes up and says, oh, give me a break. Did you forget where you came from? You know, the negative self-talk stuff. Um, It's always willing to remind me of where I used to be and where I've come from. And today, I can joke with it. I can laugh at it. I can share it at a group level. I always, there is something that I do, Anna, to this day. And even with, and and I just celebrated 32 years of recovery uh, in July and the, what I do almost every day is I talk to somebody in recovery. And, and I have a couple of very dear friends, and we, have, we give each other permission. And, and, and we, I have a couple of people that I do sponsorship with. And basically, it's a collaborative um, process. In other words, I, I have no secrets. I have at least two people in my life that know everything there is to know about me. And, and I have people that have that with me. And we constantly support and share with each other. Like if I have, a, if I have an issue going on in my life and it was like I've just had a really yucky day or yucky week or yucky Sunday in my mind or whatever, and I'm into the beating me up like, oh, that was terrible, that wasn't, I'll call my friend. And he will not get in there and co-sign me beating me up. He will say something like, you know what? He says, you're being hard on my friend Lennis, and I don't appreciate that, and I don't want that for you. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I, you know, and, and we're really good at pointing things out to each other when we hear, and sometimes it's so subtle, Anna, you know, that the, 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 the critic, it's so subtle. And yet I have people in my life that know me well enough to know 
when I'm giving power to that. And they will very sweetly and lovingly, and sometimes it feels very tough, uh, very firm, say, hey, what are you doing? You know, you're not treating my friend the way I'd like to see you treat him. You know, just things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I need Mm -hmm. people in my life like that to remind me of who I am. That's right. Yeah, it's like uh, they can befriend the the really friendly part of you. That's important. That's great that you built that network. How did you do that? How did you build a network like that? I reached out. Um, I, I have my best friend, uh, my very best friend lives in Washington state and, um, and he and I talk probably six times a week. Um, and, uh, we, we met in a 12 step meeting and I listened to him share several times. He listened to me share several times and, and we, we just kind of had this, this connection. And one day I just walked up to him and said, Hey, um, you know, I would like to exchange numbers. I'd love to get together with you because I just feel like we've got this connection and I'd like to pursue it. And we have been, we've worked into being, becoming best friends, seem like overnight, but we have the kind of relationship that it's like, you know, it's one of those deals where I just knew I wanted to connect with this man and I did. And he and I are best friends. And what we do is, too, a lot of people would say, well, you guys co-sponsor each other. It's like, well, in some sense we do, but I have a sponsor. He has a sponsor. Um, but we all, you know, it's like we all work together for the same thing, and that's, you know, uh, a greater sense of health and well-being for one another. Mm-hmm. And we don't allow, we don't support each other in getting in there with uh, the, old, the old destructive self-talk for the most part. You know, and we help. We just we just support each other in in, in sharing what we see and what we hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, what's it that done for your out. life to to do that? How's that uh, change things for you in, in your day to day living that you do that? Um, well, I don't uh, I don't seem to have as many days of the agitation or or that restless, irritable, and discontent feeling. Um, when I, when I am going through something, I pick up the phone. I've got 32 years and yet I, I can't tell you. It's like, I feel like I'm, I've returned to the basics of recovery in a way that I never thought I would. Uh, when I'm going through something, I pick up the phone as if I, the same way I did when I was a year or two clean and sober. Uh, that has never changed for me. I stay connected to people in recovery. That is vital for me. And they help me stay tuned to my spiritual practices. It, it's just amazing the way it works. And I have a lot more joy in my life. I have a lot more freedom in my life. I don't try to make things happen the way, the way I do when I'm in the insanity part and trying to becoming a control freak, which I have been in my life and um, all of that. So it's just, there's, I feel like I'm in the flow more. And I had a man... My acupuncturist said that to me uh, just recently, about a month ago. He said, you know, he says, you, you, are, you are in the flow a lot. And I thought, oh, wow, what a compliment. Thank mm-hmm. you, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. That's fantastic. So it, we're we're is, almost uh, finished with our time here, but do you have any brief words of wisdom for us as we close out today? Well, you know, I guess if there is a wisdom that I have, it's from 
from from all of these years of doing what I've done, and that is is that like Louise Hay said, you know what? Self-love is the key and the answer to all that is going on in my life today. And it's like, how am I showing up in love for me so that when I do reach out, I'm carrying the message of hope and recovery and self-love? And it's like, and it starts with me. You know, it's interesting. There is a scripture that says, uh, um, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I love that because there's an, there's an insinuation that we love ourselves before we can love our neighbor. And I, and oh man, that's, that's taken on a whole new meaning for me. Linus, thank you so much for being uh, with me today here on The Spirit of Recovery. I'm glad that you're here, and I want to thank all of uh, the listeners out there for listening with us. Uh, my guest has been Linus Baugh. He's the Unity Minister at Unity of San Jose, California, and we've been talking about you can only keep what you give away and make sure that it's love. And God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. are the things that lead to a fuller, richer life experience. And striving to attain these things is a rewarding journey in and of itself. Let your journey begin at Awaken Whole Life Center, located on the Unity Village campus. Here, you'll discover unique approaches to nurture body, mind, and spirit. A holistic approach to your health and well-being. Visit us online at awakenwholelifecenter.com. That's awakenwholelifecenter.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. 
Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.